Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin. Today, I have a returning guest, Aliza Lick, on the show to talk about all things personal branding and building social capital. Aliza is an expert on the topic and lived through a personal rebrand when she left her role at DKNY, where she was well known as the DKNY PR girl after 17 years. Now she's written a new book called On Brand, where she's teaching all of us how to tell our compelling career stories. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411. And sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials. And always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. In the hybrid and often virtual world we now work in, people need to be able to convey who they are no matter what the medium. Gone are the days of hoping your credentials speak for themselves. You have to let them be known and your messages need to land every time. But how do we market ourselves nonstop in the right way? Well, Elisa Licht is here and she knows all about this. She is the author also of Leave Your Mark and she was DK. And are you still DK and PR girl? I, I'm t- saying it past tense, but you are still her. Yeah. Well, DK and PR girl doesn't exist. So I am not, I'm formerly. Yeah. DKNY. Former the DK and PR girl, yeah. but also I don't know if anybody's been listening to this podcast ho- that long, but hopefully they have. You were on season one. So you were one of the original guests. And so I'm really excited to have you back on to talk about personal branding and your new book on brand. So welcome back. Thank you, Lauren. I know it seems like another lifetime ago. That was really early days of career. Yeah. Yes. So I'm honored to be here with On Brand. And yeah, I think our world has changed dramatically. Yeah. And I like your point about you can't just expect that people will notice you. Like you have no choice than to like convey who you are and be quick and concise about it. And so I think a lot of people, myself sometimes included, we feel like, oh, we don't have to do that. That's not who we are. But really, this is important. So can you just kind of explain why? 
this is no longer an option. This is something we all need to be thinking about, which is our personal brand and, and how to get that across. Yes. So first and foremost, I think we're not in front of as many people as we once were. So when we're talking about whether you're a corporate worker, you're a founder, you're someone who's coming out of school, it doesn't really matter where you are or what stage you're in. The world has changed. And I think we have to evolve with that. So, you know, when you think about it, it's up to you to make sure people understand the value that you bring. And a lot of people don't give tremendous thought to how they're showing up. And when I say showing up, I mean on email, when you log on to a Zoom, on social media, all the things really add up to how your personal brand is conveyed. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people think of their personal brand as like my accomplishments or my skills. I like that you use the word, the value you bring, or another word I've been thinking a lot about is like, you should be able to understand like what your impact is, what's your value, right? We just had Liz Weissman on and she was like, she had a really good example of like why you don't want to be indispensable, but instead invaluable at work and talking about like, if you're indispensable, there's no one on the bench to replace you, right? Like you're the only person who can do the job. And I thought, you know, I, I love a good sports metaphor analogy. So that worked for me, but I mean, that's kind of what you're saying too, is like, you need to be aware that all these little things add up with where you're showing up and it can't just be about your resume. It's about your value that you bring, right? Yes. It, yes. A hundred percent. It is about that, but it's also like you said before, not waiting around for people to notice. Yes. And let's face it. There's been thousands of layoffs every day. So what is going to make someone think about you for an opportunity? And I feel a strong personal brand means that your name is dropped in rooms you're not in, right? And your thought of opportunities that maybe other people haven't even heard of yet. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how we can do that. How can we, and you can give us the tips, however you want to do it, but how can we be the name that gets dropped in the rooms when we're not there over email as the people you should connect with? How do we become that? So great question. And first and foremost, I just want to say a lot of people have a misconception that personal branding is about talking about themselves all day. And I promise you, I did not write a book to tell people to turn into monsters. So this (laughs) is not about talking because I want to couch that for a second because I don't want to create sort of people who are just egomaniacs. That's not the point of it. The point of this is really understanding what do you want to be known for? What, how do you want to make people feel when they hear you speak or they work with you? So that's really the self-reflection that I'm looking for here. And I think the first thing is asking yourself that question, right? Like, what do you want to be known for in your work circles, in your friend circles, amongst your family, on social media, wherever you're showing up, what do you want people to think about? And the next thing is shaping that narrative. So a lot of people, even when they're starting a new job, never think to themselves, wow, if someone asks me like where I came from before or why I left my last job, what's my answer? And you can only become a deer in headlights if you don't really understand, okay, what is my story? Especially if you were laid off or fired or something dramatic happened. So self-reflection and then thinking about what that soundbite is to be able to then feed it out. And one of the things that I I really advise in on brand is the idea that you have to arm the people around you with information. So 
if you've just had a strategic win, making sure that you're able to convey that to the people you work with and also externally. But to answer your question directly, it's like, how do you do that without people hating you? Because there yeah. is a slippery slope. And I, I like to think of it as if you are building social capital amongst your network and your peers, and you are consistently showing that you do a good job and you're reliable and dependable and you're going to deliver, when you do have a win, that is not just a reflection of you. It's also a reflection of everyone you worked with. So in on brand, I say like, if you're going to tell people, Hey, I just had this amazing promotion at work. I'm so excited. This is what happened. Make it your business to amplify support or pay forward at least five other people so that you're not just talking about yourself. And one tactic for people who are really uncomfortable with this, because I understand that not everyone is comfortable is to work behind the scenes with a colleague and say, Hey, listen, I really wish my manager would know this. Would you be able to like share this about what I've done? And then if there's something you want me to amplify, let me know and kind of work behind the scenes or put it in a deck, put it somewhere, but make sure that you're communicating the value that you add. Yeah. I really love that too, because it's very, if it's uncomfortable to talk about yourself, it's very easy to talk about other people. And if you want it, you were talking about like, what do you want to be known for? If maybe you want to be known as the person who really does amplify the voices around you or is really good at giving credit where credit is due. I don't feel like that happens enough at work. So we could probably use more of those people. And it's actually very refreshing when you meet someone who matches the brand, right? They're putting out this persona of this is kind of who I am. And then they really are that. And I think a lot of us are very jaded. You know, sometimes you're like, no way that can't be happening. Like that person isn't that. And it's like, no, this person truly is as supportive as they say, or they really are as good of a listener or like, no, she really is so easy to work with. Right. Like all of these are the things that people say about you behind closed doors and you, you want that. And exactly. then of course you, you want it to actually be true too. <laughs> For sure. For sure. But I think, I think that's going back to, you know, building authentic relationships and, you know, pitching in on a project that maybe isn't your job description, but like helping out a colleague because you know, it's going to be really beneficial. They're going to yeah. think of you if another project comes up and be like, Oh wait, you know what? She's great to work with. Let's bring her into this. Right. So it is about earning social capital amongst your peers. Absolutely. What's the biggest mistake that you see people making when it comes to their personal brand? Talking about themselves all day. I think we see a lot of that on social media. And I think that there is, again, this, this misconception that that's what personal branding is all about. And there is an element to that. But in on brand, I, I really emphasize doing it elegantly and strategically so that you like you want to be your own hero, which is why there's a spotlight on the cover of On Brand, but you don't want to turn into the villain either. Yeah. And so on one hand, it's people who do it too much. On the other hand, it's people who don't do it at all or worse, make no impression whatsoever. Right. Right. The, I, I think that's a really good point about like, again, I'm going to kind of steal from like what Liz Weissman said. You want to elevate your contributions, right? You don't want to never talk about them, but you want to find this very strategic way of elevating that where, when does it make sense to put the spotlight on you? And I think you're right. That's definitely a huge mistake. I, you know, not everyone is looking for a rebrand or not everyone who's looking for a rebrand is thinking of pivoting jobs. Um, so how do you pursue 
a quote unquote rebrand while you're still in your current position. Or maybe you're like, oh, I'm not really changing a whole lot, but I feel like I need a rebrand or a refresh. What what do you do then? So in the back of the book, in the rebranding section, I have a couple of examples or case studies of like point of view. You're always the one who gets passed over for a promotion or a point of view. Your personal brand is dusty. You haven't learned anything new or you haven't innovated in your role. So there's a lot of examples of how important it is to actually rebrand within the job that you have. Mm-hmm. And so some of that is not getting too comfortable right? I think, listen, I am a product of comfort. I was in my role for 17 years. I am exactly what you probably shouldn't do in the sense of those early days. I was like, I don't need to talk to recruiters. I don't need to do anything. I'm going to die here. This is going to be my last job. I love it. It's great. And I think the world has changed in the sense that people don't stay that long at jobs anymore, but you can coast. And you know, there are trends. It's like, (laughs) what was the one? Bare minimum Monday, for example, right? Bare minimum Monday is now trending. And it's like, okay, well, you can do that. But then how, how does that come off? You know, if you do something enough, it becomes your reputation. So if you're the person who's like impossible to get in touch with, you don't respond to emails, you're, you completely ghost. That is your personal brand. You are labeled as someone difficult to communicate with. So I think it starts with self-reflection. And also asking for feedback, you know, feedback is really important and no one wants to hear it, but if you feedback from your manager, you should also get feedback from the people who are junior to you and maybe your peers to understand where you could actually step up a little bit. So if you're asking for feedback, how would you word it? Like, would you point blank say like, Hey, when you think of my personal brand, what do you think of? Or, okay. So In the book, I really frame it as a personal brand self-assessment that you, and I tell you how to do it, and you can give it to colleagues, you can give it to friends, you can give it to family. And it starts with asking yourself a series of questions. So again, what are, what do you think the answers are to these questions? Mm -hmm. And then actually sending out the same list of questions to people in your orbit. And it's fascinating to see if they match. Yeah. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. But I think when it comes to, you know, an internal rebrand in your role, I would say to a colleague, like, hey, I'm really trying to grow in this role. I really want to understand what am I really good at? What are my superpowers? Where could I use some work? That kind of feedback is invaluable. Right. Yeah. I love that. And I I feel like you can also offer to provide that back to them and make it, you know, so you feel maybe a little less awkward if you are worried about asking them for their time. Okay. So two questions that are very much based on like the world we live in now. So the first is about zoom and how do we maintain a level of professionalism when we are working from home, even if you're hybrid, right? Like I do think hybrid is probably the compromise between the full work from home and in office that we'll, we'll probably land more of us will land into, but that still means there's at least a couple of days a week where you're working virtually, maybe corresponding with people on zooms and things like that. So how do you maintain that level of professionalism or how do you have it come through virtually? Well, first of all, think about your participation in the zoom, you know, unless you are someone who is neurodivergent, which I totally understand is a concern keep your camera on. Eye contact is really important. We're not physically together, but 
me watching you speak and, and holding your eye contact shows you that I'm actively listening. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, and, and listen, I understand we all grew up in a world where it's like, well, we used to use the phone and you couldn't see anyone and that was fine. But in a way now, because we're not physically together, it becomes even more important to connect. And I think eye contact is really important in that sense. And also to participate. You know, a lot of people are sort of these sort of ghost attendees of a meeting. And it, it's great. It's like, if you know you have a meeting coming up, why not ask for the agenda in advance? Maybe give it some thought, come to the table with ideas. You know, a lot of the best ideas happen when you're kind of like on your own and thinking in advance of something. And then you look like a star when you're showing up and you're like, actually, I've already mapped this whole thing out. Let me share you my, my entire strategy. So I think that's one thing. The other thing is, I understand that we're home and I understand that we could possibly have, you know, pajamas on the bottom and, you know, a blazer on top and that's fine. But the background of your Zoom is really important. So if you are not interested in showing where you actually are, then obviously masking that is totally fine. But I think that backgrounds can be really distracting. And inherently people will make a snap judgment about what they're seeing. So for example, if you're in your bedroom and your bedroom is a total mess, like people can't help it. They're going to automatically just clock that as like a data point. Right. And I don't know if that's what you need to be doing on the job. Yeah. I like that you're saying that because I feel like you're saying what people are thinking, but no one wants to say that in the sense of like, no one wants to be like, yep, you have to have your camera on because of course people are like, eh, I don't want to be told like, they don't want to turn their camera on and like, yeah, your background matters. Right. And so there's this mix of like authenticity with like professionalism. And it, I, I feel like in a way, I almost feel like saying like, this is the way the quote unquote game is played either play it or don't, but like the, this we're, we're laying it out for you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and Lauren, to your point, like we can't help, but decide like if somebody is giving the perception of being really buttoned up at work, and then you get a glimpse into their personal life that is the opposite. Like yeah. those two things are not going to align. And, and it does affect your view. And, and in the book, one of the expert contributors, because I do have specific expert contributors for different topics, Jillian Strauss, who is a media trainer and communications coach, she says, you know, and it's true. It's like your background or how you're dressed or what you're doing can almost be a supporting actor to what you're saying. So we use the example. It's like if we're, if someone's going to talk about how hard it is for working moms and you have a mom who's on Zoom and there's, you know, a basket of laundry behind her because she hasn't finished that yet of baby clothes, that helps the story you're trying to tell. So thinking about what is the goal of the meeting? Are you presenting? What, what are you trying to achieve? And is everything around you working toward that goal? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that actually is a good next question of that. I was going to ask about how do you create a visual identity, but it almost sounds like these play the part of it. Like I know people who will also wear a certain color every time they go to like a networking event, like a yellow or red or, you know, some accent that is, they're like, that's my signature thing that I do. So talk about how do you create a visual identity? Maybe we can play off of that. Well, repetition is reputation right? So I always wear red lipstick. That is my reputation. Now, why do I wear red lipstick? Because I literally look like I'm a dead person without it. So for me, <laughs> it, it's true. I mean, it's how I feel my best. I feel like it's caffeine for the face. So that's yeah. why I do it. 
But yes, you're right. I mean, I'm sure you know Elizabeth Holmes. She wrote HRH, So Many Thoughts on Royal Style, and she's a journalist and a friend. So she is one of my experts on visual identity and on brand. And we talk about the excruciating strategy that the royals employ to think about what they're wearing for appearances. And whether it's a specific signature color or a certain shape, or you're always wearing that same accessory, or you always yeah. have the same haircut, that is how people become, how, how people come to know you. And it does affect their perception of you. Lynn Paolo is another expert. She's a customer from Scandal and Shameless and The West Wing and a million different shows. And in On Brand, we talk about how she created Olivia Pope's character on Scandal and the clothing choices she made to exude power and confidence. And she put her in a really thick heel. So when Olivia Pope walked into a room, she could like walk with strength and pride as opposed to like a wobbly stiletto where you're like really being careful. So there's so much thought that can go into this. And it's honestly, I always say fashion is just a strategic weapon of choice to tell your personality to yeah. others. I really love that. I, um, one of the things I remember back when we were going to more stuff in person or before COVID, when I was going to do my book launch, my book was in the cover was red. And I was like picking up red suits, red dresses. Like my whole thing was, I was going to create like a uniform of red. And so it's interesting you say that because I really do. I, I thought one, it was like kind of a confidence booster, but also like the power suit deserves the name, the power suit. That's all I have to say. Like you do feel like, yeah, I agree. So, you know, it's funny. So my book is, I don't hear it. It is a, it's like a gunmetal, like a bluish gunmetal metallic. I'm not going to walk around in, in gunmetal clothes all day long, yeah. but <laughs> so I, I didn't go with a color story for anything with the book, but when I'm going to be doing appearances, I actually am doing a pantsuit because it feels, it. feels right. It feels like a yeah. pantsuit. And normally I'm a dress girl. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. See, I, I love it. I love your point about fashion as a strategic weapon. I think that's great, especially for brand. And I think it's one of the more fun parts of brand, depending on if you like the fashion piece or not. I think a natural question for people when they're thinking of their personal brand is going to be imposter syndrome, right? There's going to be the person who is nervous about bragging about themselves because they think everything was about luck or I don't want to talk myself up too much. But if they ask me a question, I don't know, or am I really good enough to be in this room with all these other people? So tips on overcoming imposter syndrome when it comes to personal branding, let's hear them. First of all, my favorite question to ask myself and every single person should steal this is why not me? Right. When I was setting out to do a podcast and every single production company said no, I could have easily been like, well, they're the experts. Like maybe I shouldn't do it. And then I'm like, well, why not me? Yeah. You know, Googled how to do it and leave your mark podcast is now three years old, I think. So that's, it starts with why not me? The second thing is, and I do say this in on brand, if you're in the room, you deserve to be there. You need not question why you're in the room. The question really is, what do you do while you're in the room? And there's always going to be a moment where you're like, am I good enough to do this? Am I smart enough? But the thing is, if you're really pushing yourself, you actually haven't done the thing yet. So if you're feeling that fear, it's because you're about to embark on something that you haven't experienced yet, which actually is exciting. So if you replace the fear with excitement, 
you can actually rebrand your fear. I love that. I, one thing that naturally comes up for me when we're talking about this is this external validation thing, right? So trying not to have your career be your identity and get the validation of your worth from, again, your resume, your accomplishments, your job title, whatever it is. Do you ever find that these things conflict, like trying to build the personal brand and with this notion of like, but also don't put all of your eggs in the basket of like, you are your career, your self-worth is only based on again, like what room you get invited to, what your job title is, that kind of thing. Yes. And I lived it. Right. I mean, that is what happens when you spend almost two decades at one company. My name became Aliza from DKNY or DKNY PR girl. Right. So in on brand, I really want people to put as much equity into their own name as they do where they work, because I understand the credibility of a company, the credibility, the status of a job title. It makes you feel secure. Yeah. But I think people should reframe it and realize what should make them feel secure is actually the experience they're accumulating because the skills are yours, no matter where you employ those skills, right? It doesn't matter what company you're at. You can still do that thing you do. So it's really one of the reasons why on my podcast, I never put company names in the titles of the episodes because I really want each person's name to be enough on their own. It's, you know, it's, it's really easy to, to try to like, you know, glob on to credibility from here or from there. But like, I think each and every person has a responsibility to say, you know what, I was born with this name. I'm going to make this main, this name mean something. And we see people mess this up on LinkedIn actually, when they're like Lauren M or Aliza L it's like, well, why, why are you not putting equity into building awareness for your name? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I think you're right. I think it does bring you some security. And I think it's, it's like, how can I quickly use some big brand to be like, here, look, here's a thing that validates I'm good enough to talk to or something. And part of that is also our society of like asking people, what do you do? Right? Like the second question we ask you is like, what's your name? What do you do? Right. And it feels like we're automatically profiling you, whether you're good enough to have this conversation with at the cocktail party or if we should move along. So, but that's a whole another podcast for another day. I do want to wrap up by asking you to give us some examples of, you know, maybe three people who are doing personal branding really well. And I would love it if you could name an entrepreneur, someone who's working for an organization and maybe someone who is, I'm going to use air quotes, not working. And I just mean not working in the traditional sense. So maybe a working mom, because now everybody's working. So, or they've always been working, but you know what I mean? Oh man, this is a hard one. Okay. So somebody who is an entrepreneur, Kara Golden, who is the founder of Hint, I think does an exceptional, exceptional job on her personal brand. She is multi-channel, multi-medium, she is supporting other women. She is conveying thought leadership, advice, empathy. So definitely her. Katie Welsh, who is the chief marketing officer of Rare Beauty. She is someone who is obviously in charge. She's a macro, you know, major professional, but she's also very personable on social media. She's dropping pearls of wisdom. She's feeling, she's giving back to the people who are following her and and passing along, paying forward advice. I think she does a great job. No, no. And then last non-working person. Okay. 
I would say that Sasha Charn and Morrison, who probably not everybody knows, and this is a different type of personal brand. Sasha is a former fashion editor. Well, she's a fashion editor, but she is currently not working anywhere in particular. And she's extremely opinionated on all things fashion and entertainment culture. And she's fearless in the way that she gives her opinion. But what I admire about her is it's coming from a place of deep knowledge. And I think that's a really big difference. I think there are a lot of people who can mouth off on a lot of things, but she has the historical experience, education, and point of view to have a very informed opinion. So when she's being strong in her words, she has backup. So I think that if you're going to have a strong personal brand, you must make sure you actually are educated on what you're talking about. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Those are three very, very good examples. Okay. Tell everyone about On Brand. Obviously it comes out April 18th, right? Yes. So it's called On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception. Comes out April 18th. It is, it picks up right where Leave Your Mark left off, actually, with my own case study of my rebrand. And then brings in expert contributors in their fields, whether it's, like we said, visual identity, executive presence, owning the room, social capital, whatever it may be. But throughout the book, which is different in this book than Leave Your Mark, is I, I do these mental gymnastics exercises. So it's actually a workbook as you go through. And the last thing I'll say about it is I really wanted to double down on the fact that this is just as much for people who are like, I'm not doing social media. It's not for me to the people who are like, I want to build a social presence. So both routes are relevant and any which way you slice it, you're making an impression. So you may as well make a good one. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, you talked about social capital. We actually had Jean Chatsky on who I'm sure, you know, and she did a survey about what the most quote unquote successful people had. And one of the traits was social capital. So like, this is just proof to me that to your point, whether you want to do social media or not, everyone needs this book, go through the mental gymnastics worksheets and, and really come up and ask yourself those hard questions. But like, know the answers to these things because they matter. So we'll put the links to the three people you mentioned also uh, their Instagrams in the show notes of obviously yours and a link to on brand also in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you, Lauren. It's great to see you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. Don't forget to rate and review our show. And another way that you can support our show is to take a screenshot of your podcast player right now playing this episode and then share it on Instagram and tag us at Career Contessa and we will reshare it. And don't forget, I put links to Aliza's book and even her past episode, the very first one we did in season one, all in the show notes. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.